Today's scripture reading will be from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11. Therefore God, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Good morning. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? A lot of uh, shaking going on around here. I'm telling you, uh, I thought we were over the worst of it. And Friday night, that was about the biggest jolt I can remember since I was literally shaken out of bed in 1971 during the big Northridge uh, quake. Boy, that was a that was a pretty good one. I know we have some folks visiting from out of the area. I hope you were here so you could experience that. Uh, although I, I don't want to go back to where you are and experience a tornado, so maybe I shouldn't waste, uh, wish that on anybody. But it's kind of a, it was a, it, it was, uh, it was amazing at our house, I'll tell you. I'll share more details later if you're interested. But, um, we welcome back those who have been to camp. Don't ever take Luke away from us again, but we're glad you're all back. And, uh, we wish uh, the very best to those who are taking off today, uh, for Camp Tonda. May God bless you in the week that you have ahead of you. We had a pretty uh, fun week ourselves, uh, shaking uh, not necessarily included in our, our picnic, our barbecue out at the Genesis Garden. It was so great after all this time to enjoy that space together, see some of the veggies growing and flowers growing in some of the garden areas, but just uh, sit down and share a meal together as kind of the sun was going down. Over 60 of us that were here uh, on the 4th, I'm not sure exactly how many, but over that, uh, we had a, just a, a great time of fellowship. Um, I did have a problem with this lady in the middle. Uh, and I, I was going to tell you the whole, and I just decided I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to go there. I'm going to be gracious today. Uh, but let me just say, if you could pick her out in the line here when you see that L.A. Dodger cap, this is moments before uh, she swooped in and took my hamburger, but I'm, I wasn't... I've decided not to go into it uh, because I do have a witness who saw the whole thing. I can't believe she did that in front of her own little dog, but she did. But we had our normal uh, fun with the fireworks, both legal and illegal, thanks to our neighbors uh, who don't care so much about the law. We had a pretty good fireworks show, and uh, Tim already did this. There were... I don't know how many people to thank for everything that was done on the 4th of July, but I think everyone who had a part is fine with me just mentioning one person by name since we don't have time for all the rest, and that's Earl, who was preparing throughout the week, getting it ready for us, the hours the man put in to just get things set up, to tear it down. Earl also cooked our food, and I always want to take my hat off to the guy who's cooking my dinner. But uh, thank you, brother, and for inspiring us all to, uh, to, be, uh, to be servants along with you. It was just a, it was a great day. My name, in case you're wondering, is Richard Wayne Shields. And most of you heard this spiel before. You know where it all comes from. It's not the first time I've talked about my name. Uh, I'm egocentric enough to be guilty of this on more than one occasion. My first name, Richard, comes from my dad's middle name, Guy Richard. My middle name, Wayne, is my mom's favorite uncle, my uncle Wayne Jones. Uh, her favorite uncle is, she gave that name to me, and Shields, of course, my family name. 
that goes at least I know to somewhere in Ireland in the uh, in the mid 1700s. Peter Shields came to the United States during the Revolutionary War uh, to fight, but uh, for a different side. So uh, that's how I that's how I got here. But I kind of gotten attached to my name. I kind of like my name. Um, I don't like it when people call me by other names like. No offense, but Dick is not my name. My dad was called that for 40 years, but my name isn't Dick. It's not Ricky. It's not Rick. Those are great names. And we have men here who have those names, and they're wonderful names. They're just not my names. And I'm sure they're just as sensitive about their name as I am about mine. We care about our names. So when we introduce ourselves to someone, what do we give them? We give them our name. Hi, my name's Richard. What's your name? We want to, we want to hear their name back because we are so connected to our names. My name isn't just something that connects me to people in the past or to a family, but my name also reflects everything since my birth that I've become or that I am. My character, my essence, my behavior, my heart, all of it gets encompassed in, in my name, and people who know my name have those connections with that person that that name represents, so that the name comes to be much more than just three words that mark me out among others. They reflect who truly I have become. So it's not just my name is Richard Wayne Shields, it's really I am Richard Wayne Shields. That's, that's who I am. People who hear that name, who know me, whatever images come to your mind, whatever you think, it's because the way that you have seen or witnessed my character in my name and in my life. That's just the, na- the nature of our names. A good name is to be chosen over great riches, the wise man said in Proverbs 22.1. Because our names count for something. Your name counts for something. People who know you, who hear your name, when they hear your name, it stands for something, doesn't it? It stands for something. Well, God reveals His name in the Exodus story that we're studying this year. Back in chapter 3, we've we've seen this before at the burning bush, when Moses says to God in chapter 3, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is His name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Here God reveals himself not just by a title like Elohim or El or other titles that are associated with the name of God, but God reveals himself by that name, that cryptic name, I am who I am. I am being who I am being. I will be who I will be. This this continual God who simply is. And God gives the name in the third person to Moses to speak, Yahweh, which is essentially He is who He is. And that's the name by which God is to be remembered forever. This name of God, Yahweh, points to His essence and His character as as a God who alone is eternal. He has always been. He will always be. 
He is separate from every other being that exists on the face of the earth. And by virtue of that reality, He is Creator of everything else that exists. And not only Creator, but as Creator, He is sovereign over things. He is King and Lord over all of creation, over everything that possibly exists in this universe and beyond it. He, Yahweh, is the God over them all. He is faithful as the I am because His nature is unchanging. He's transcendent. He alone, God alone, is the only one whose life, whose very essence is completely independent of every other one in the universe. We have been created as dependent. We come from places. We, we are born. God alone transcends all of creation and stands above and alone. He's the God of Scripture who then reveals Himself so that we know more of this God. We know about His holiness and His justice and His mercy and His love and His final revelation to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. But this is the name that God gives to Moses long ago. And the name of God, this character of God, is confirmed after God gives the name to Moses in Exodus 3. Think of how God shows this power of His, this nature of His, as Moses goes back to Egypt, as the plagues come upon the land, as the Red Sea parts, as Israel is given provision for everything they need and brought to this mountain to enter into a covenant with God. God has shown Himself to be truly the the, the very essence of this name that he has given to his people. It's no wonder then that to take this name, this holy name of the transcendent creator and sovereign of the universe, to take it and to misuse it, to apply it to something meaningless or trivial or unholy, is forbidden by God and will meet with God's judgment. We come back to the mountain where we've been the last few weeks looking at the third of the commandments. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Another translation puts it this way. Never use the name of Yahweh your Elohim, that is, the Lord your God, carelessly. Yahweh will, be, will make sure that anyone who carelessly uses his name will be punished. Again, we come back to this essence of God revealed in His name and to take it and apply it to something worthless, something meaningless, something unholy, something trivial. is a perversion and a degradation of His name. And I think it's very important for us to take note of this particular aspect of the command that people who do such will be punished. This is not something God takes lightly or winks at. And so, we come to this third commandment. A commandment that is pretty broadly expressed, isn't it? I mean, the application for this isn't sort of specified for us. It's a pretty broad application that gives us a, an ability to apply it in a number of ways. 
Not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. One of the ways that the law of Moses does in Leviticus 19 verses 1 and 2 is to take the name of Yahweh and attach it to something you say and then not to do what you've said you're going to do or to say something is true by the name of Yahweh and, and to, in fact, be lying. So to, to speak falsely or to give perjury or false testimony or to lie using the name of Yahweh is to misuse His name, spelled out in Leviticus 19. As Yahweh lives, it was one of the phrases is used in Israel. You may just think back through the narratives of Scripture. How many times in the Old Testament does someone say, as the Lord lives, as the Lord lives this, or as the Lord lives that? And they're using the name of Yahweh uh, to, to connect the veracity of their own testimony to His very nature and His unchanging nature. To say such a thing and then to lie, or to say such a thing and then not to carry it out, is to call into question the very eternal nature of the name of God. And therefore, it's met with the harshest judgment in the old law in Leviticus 19. I think when we think of this commandment, not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain, that probably the first thing that comes to our mind is profanity. Probably in our world, that's probably the number one uh, way that God's name is taken in vain or is profaned or is, is attached to something unholy. Profane, profanity means simply to take that which is holy and attach it to something that is unholy. And that is the essence of taking God's name and invoking it as a curse. How often in our world is the name of God and the variety of His names in Scripture, how often are His names and titles used to utter curses. To call for condemnation or damnation on someone else. How often is the name of our God revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ? The name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How often is the name of Jesus Christ used in our world today simply as an expletive? We express sudden pain sometimes by calling out as an expletive the name of God. We express our frustration, our anger, our wrath on another individual, and a desire for something to happen to another individual by invoking the name of God. As nothing but a vent to our anger and our sinful thinking. Consider all of the vain words and vile words that are a part of that profane language of our culture. And God's name being right there in the midst of it. To do such a thing, of course, is condemned by God and by His Word. I've wondered, why the name of God? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it always God? Why is it always Jesus Christ? that's used in such a way. People in India don't go around calling upon Krishna to damn someone. People in Tibet don't use Buddha as an invective of frustration when they cry out. And people in the Middle East 
or wherever they are of the Islamic faith, do not take the name of Allah and use it in such a way. Why is it always the name of God? And why is it even in those other places where there are other gods, why is it the name of God and the name of Jesus Christ that is always the name that's profane? Why is that? How has that come to be? There are probably some very good certain answers out there. I'm not sure exactly why it is. I think perhaps in our own culture, going back a few decades, there was a time when to say such a thing, to say the name of God or the name of Jesus Christ in such a cursing fashion would have broken certain societal taboos that had a great shock value. So there would be a shock value in the culture to say God's name in that way. But certainly that is no longer the case, is it? I mean, from little children to their grandparents, the name of God and Jesus are bandied about. So it's not that anymore. But I wonder... What, what is it behind that? And, and I don't know. I don't know what you're going to... I, I have an idea. I believe that the reason God's name and the name of Jesus are continually used around the globe as epithets, as curses, because they are the names that truly have power attached to them. There's no power in Buddha. There's no power in Krishna. There is power in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying people are using this language in some way paying tribute to God's power. But I'm saying Satan inspires the abuse of God's name, which does have power associated with its spiritual power, to degrade God and to mock God and to blaspheme the name of God and to attack God in this world. And His name is certainly used to that extent. You're thinking, okay... I don't think any of us really do that, do we? I hope and pray truly that none of us here would do such a thing. But what strikes me and what I find myself personally convicted about is how as a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of God, I have become desensitized to the usage of God's name in our culture and beyond our culture in the world. It's just so prevalent that it just doesn't sting quite as much, perhaps, as it did. It's in the books that are read. It's in the movies that we see. It's in the TV programs that we watch. And, and maybe we haven't gotten completely used to it. Maybe we wince a little bit when we hear it. We're like, oh, I wish they hadn't said that. But somehow we tell ourselves, but you know, that's just the way it is in the movies. That's just the way it is. And I love these books. and I know they're filled with this, but that's just the way it is. And, and, and I think we become so desensitized that we lose any sense of zeal or jealousy for the name of God in our world. And I, I speak primarily to myself and ask you to, to listen in at this point, to think about this. We just think, well, I have to. I, it's, just in, it's just out there in the culture. How can I with... I can't get out of that. I was thinking, how long would I put up with someone coming into my presence and degrading the name of my father, my dad. If there was a way to take a human name and just debase it and blaspheme it and degrade it, how long would I allow someone in my presence to degrade the name of my father or my wife or my granddaughter, Rebecca? Not for an instant. I need to have as much zeal for the name of God as I have for my own name. I need to have more concern for the name of God, the Holy God, than my own. 
God's name is also used in a trivial way. It's trivial. It means nothing. It's an exclamation point. How many thousands, how millions of times a day do people type on their phones, OMG? And you're saying, okay, Richard, you're getting a little, you're getting a little, you know, you're kind of going a little too far here. Nobody means anything by that. Nobody means anything by that. And I think the point of the third commandment is, you never utter the name of God unless you mean something by it. And mean particularly what His name means. The essence of the character of God. This trivial use of God, it's just a cultural phenomenon. It's everywhere. No one even thinks about it anymore. It's just said. Presumption. Sometimes we can presume upon the name of God. We can attach ourselves or our agenda or our life or something I want to do to God to gain some sort of credibility for what I want to do or to persuade others perhaps to be a part of it. Extreme example, the Crusades. Let's go kill a bunch of people in the name of God and go on a military conquest, which didn't have a whole lot to do with God, but we can invoke the name of God. Okay, that's an extreme example. I don't see a whole lot of that. Well, I'll leave that for another discussion. But um, politicians can co-opt the name of God. And it doesn't matter if they're on the left or on the right. I'm not, I'm not pointing out any particular party here, believe you me. But a politician can co-opt the name of God and incorporate it and make it a part of what they're wanting to say to people. We've heard it done. We've heard people use Scripture in, in speeches and use it in such a way that we know they've never read that Scripture in their life. They don't even know how to say the name of the book. But they'll use that because that will somehow play to someone that might then come alongside of them and give them political support. Anytime anyone uses the name of God in such a way... That's, that's, a, that's a worthless, useless name. That's, that's to ingratiate yourself. It's to gain power for yourself. Preachers can do it. I mean, it can be done in the, probably, it's probably done more in religion than in politics. I mean, you know, the Lord told me that you should send in a hundred dollars. You know, well, I, I'm not pretty sure the Lord didn't actually say that to the guy on the TV. But, you know, I, I remember years ago, there was a, a man who holed up in a, in a prayer tower and said, you know, the Lord said, if you folks don't give a million dollars by the end of the month, he's going to call me home. I don't, some, some of you may remember that day. And, and, and people poured out the money. It's like God was some divine hostage taker, and this guy was going to be called up to, up to heaven if, if people didn't come out with a million bucks. Now, that seems a little probably wild for us to imagine, but that kind of thing happens. A person who's speaking for God, or you would think because of their position in a church, they're saying things in the name of God and saying things that are so far from the nature and the name and the will of God that it's, it, it is a perverted use of God's name to basically prop up themselves. It's like spiritual name-dropping. I remember years ago in Kenya, we were having a conversation at school the kids' school, there's a bunch of parents. I have no idea what the conversation was about. But there was a lady there that her daughter and our daughter Katie were good friends. And she was making her point. You know, she was trying to make her point of, on whatever this discussion was. And in the middle of it, she said, well, you know, 
Dick and I, we feel the same way about this. And she just kind of kept going on. And I thought, Dick and I? And she's looking at me and I'm thinking, lady, you don't even know my name. And, and I thought, if anybody here knows me, they know you don't know me. Now, there was nothing wrong with what she did. I'm not saying she did something bad. It was a little awkward but because uh, nobody has ever called me that. But uh, uh, but. But it's like a name drop. It's, you know, it, was just, it was just a funny thing that happened. I don't, she's a sweet lady. But we can do that with the name of God. Like the name of God is a wand, a magic wand, or gets you what you want. I think of Acts chapter 19. Uh, in Ephesus, when the seven sons of Sceva hear Paul casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ, and they go up to a demon-possessed guy, and they say, In the name of Jesus Christ, whom the Apostle Paul preaches, you evil spirits, come out of that man. And the evil spirit said, hey, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? And those spirits came out of that man and beat them and sent them out running naked for their lives. God's name is never to be co-opted for our own use or for our own benefit or to show some esteem of our own power. That is not a proper use for the name of God. And it's dangerous to presume upon him. But perhaps one of the things that might be more inclined of a temptation for us is to call upon the name of the Lord, but not to live the life that a called one lives. To call upon the name of the Lord, to, to put ourselves out there as someone who belongs to the Lord and then not live a life consistent with that calling. Reading through the Old Testament, you know, in our daily Bible reading, as in Ezekiel chapter 36, um, God's talking to the, to the Jews and He's saying, you know, you profane my name among the nations. You're living there in Jerusalem. You're saying you belong to Yahweh. And then look at the terrible immoralities that you're living with. He said, so you, you, are, you are profaning my name among the nations. So I sent you off into captivity. And when I sent you off into captivity, you profaned my name in Babylon because the nations are saying, well, man, this must not be such much of a God if he can't even protect his own people. It's like, no matter what I do with you people, you profane my name. And he says in Ezekiel 36, I'm going to bring you back home. I'm bringing you back to Jerusalem. But I'm not bringing you back because of you. I'm bringing you back because of the holiness of my name in the world. Do you think this doesn't matter to God? Now, not, God's not some petty deity who doesn't like to you know, get disrespected. He is the sovereign of the universe who knows the way this world is going to be saved and creation is going to be restored the way it was originally intended is for people to know Him. And if His people aren't showing Him in the, in, the, in the nations of the world, God's purposes are failing. And so God says, I have concern for the holiness of my name. And I'm going to send you back so that the nations will know that I am the true God. Jesus said it a little differently in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. A lot of people are going to call me Lord. A lot of people are going to call... Everybody's going to know the name. Everybody's going to know the name. But Jesus says that's not what it's about. It's about doing the will of my Father that's in heaven. And when we think back over the variety of ways that God's name can be abused, I mean, I can't even imagine, can you? What's this like for God? To hear this, a continual drone from those that have been created in His very image to share in His likeness, who blaspheme and degrade His name. 
as the scripture says, he will not hold us guiltless for this. But just as God's name reflects his nature and character, the way we use the name of God reflects our own. And there's a positive side to this commandment, and that is to honor the name of God. This is what we're called upon to do, to honor the name of God. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It it starts with hallowing the name of God, with honoring the name of God, with revering the name of God as the name of the one true living God and having respect and love to the name of the living God as his covenant people, his matchless holy name, and to stand up for the honor of his name in a world where so often it is used in ways that are vain and they're blasphemous to him. I remember as a late 70s, early 80s, it doesn't really matter, somewhere there, we were living up in the Bay Area, and as most of you know, I'm a Dodger fan. Uh, born and raised down here, been a Dodger fan all my life. Well, we took our, lo- our lives into our hands one night and went to Candlestick Park to see the Dodgers and the Giants play. And uh, my mom and dad were visiting, so mom and dad were there, and we had our kids there. And um, we're sitting down in the stands, and there's a group of Giant fans behind us. Now, I know there are Dodger fans who aren't very nice, too, okay? Of course, there are more Giants fans who aren't, but but, uh, let me just give you that disclaimer. But we're sitting there, and the game gets going, and boy, right off the bat, these people behind us, they are swearing up a storm and they're focusing it all on the Los Angeles Dodgers. (laughs) And I'll say this, it wasn't because of his love for the team, (laughs) but it was for his love of the name of God and for his grandchildren that my dad turned around to these people and said, would you mind not using that kind of language? Okay, it's a Dodger Giant game. We got on our Dodger hats. And I, I appreciated that fact so much that they responded in a very kind way to that and stopped. It wasn't the first time I'd heard my dad do that. As a kid, I heard my dad do that. My dad had a, he just had a zeal for the name of the Lord. And he wasn't ugly about it. He didn't go on some campaign. He didn't go beat people down. But if people within his general field of conversation... We're, we're using the name of the Lord in vain, he would say something to them as kindly as he knew how to ask them to stop. And that is something that has stuck with me and has really come to my memory today, to have that zeal for the name of God, to honor his name, to worship his name. Appreciate our brother's prayer today, honoring the name of God, raising it high above all other names. The Psalms, over and over in worship and praise of God, Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord. That is, O Yahweh, our Adonai. O Yahweh, our Lord and Master. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 29, verse 1. Ascribe to Yahweh, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name be the glory for Your love and Your faithfulness. 
Let them praise the name of Jehovah. Let them praise the name of Yahweh. Of Yahweh. Psalm 148.13 For His name alone is high. He is exalted over the heavens and the earth. We worship God in His names. We honor His name by worshiping Him and lifting up His names. And if we are going to honor the name of God, our lives will reflect. We reflect the name of God in our life. I heard a story for as long as I can remember, and I uh, I went to the great arbiter of all things true to the internet this, this last week and found out that it, it looks like there is some connection with legend at least about this story. I've heard it all my life. I'm like, is this really true? Or is this some preacher make this up back in 1960 when I, when I first heard it? But it's there and uh, it's, it's there as if it happened. Alexander the Great making his great march to the east. In a battle, one of his soldiers becomes afraid and in cowardice hides in a cave. For whatever reason, perhaps because of his rank, he was brought before Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great said to him, What's your name? And kind of quietly he said, Alexander. And he said, What did you say your name was? And he said, My name is Alexander. To which it is reportedly, it was said, Either change your life or change your name. And I think that it comes down to us. We have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Christians, and we must reflect the nature of Christ in our lives. Paul said in Second Timothy chapter two, verse nineteen, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. If you're going to call upon the name of the Lord, if you're going to say, This is my God, this is my king, this is my sovereign, Paul says, then you must Keep away from iniquity and sin. You've got to change your life. And he says to the Colossians in Colossians 3.17, that verse we all know and love. He says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Life is to be lived in the name of, by the authority of, in the worship of, the name of our God and His Son Jesus Christ. So if I wear the name of Christ, I'll live out His likeness in my life. Or as we heard a moment ago, I neither need to change my life or change my name. And we honor the name of God by proclaiming it. We who are in Christ Jesus, we who, like Israel, have come into covenant with God and been called into this covenant through Jesus Christ our Lord, our mission on this earth is to proclaim the name of God and the name of Jesus Christ to everyone that we can, to let them know who their Creator is and who their Savior is. And we, we say to those among us who may be among us today who've never yet completely accepted that good news, that, that message of Jesus Christ, for you to come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He is in fact God Himself come to earth, that He paid the price for your sins on the cross, and that by coming to Him and depending upon Him and what He did for you on the cross and responding to Him in faith and obedience, you begin to live your life now in Christ Jesus. We hear it in, in Scripture. Acts 4.12, Peter said, There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But the name of Jesus. 
Or as Paul says in Romans 12:13, and it's interesting because he's quoting the Old Testament, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, and that's Yahweh, the quote, but Paul applies it to Jesus, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because Jesus is the God of heaven come to earth to bring us salvation. Paul himself was told by the prophet Ananias in Acts 22, after he had come to know that Jesus Christ truly was the Lord, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It's in faith. It's in coming to Christ and and. It, putting our trust in His saving work on the cross, that we come into baptism, washing our sins away, knowing that is happening because we're calling upon the name of the Lord who has promised to bring about our forgiveness and salvation as we respond in faith to the Gospel. This is how we honor the name of God today. We proclaim His name. The day will come, Matthew read for us just a moment ago, that everyone, everyone will confess his name. Paul writes, Therefore God has highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we hear the ancient words today from this third commandment, let us determine in our lives that we will revere the name of God, that we will defend the name of God, that we will worship God in and through His names, that we will reflect the nature of our God whose name we know in the very life that we live, and that we will proclaim His name as the only hope for the world. Let us honor the name of God in every way. And if there's any reason for you to respond today in a way the church can help you do that, we invite you. Let's stand as we sing.